0: All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 15 for a few moments. Wasn't that a great song? Thank you, Brother Randy. Thank the Lord for the greatest miracle of all. That's Calvary and you being there and being born again, born from above. Amen. It's good to see such a good, you know, spread out. It looks full. Amen. I know when we go back to uh, normalcy, everybody will crowd to the back pews and uh, we'll look like we don't have many people, but I hope it stays spread out like this, amen? I mean, it's good. Some of you are shocked you have to sit up front, and uh, I tell you what, the front row won't kill you. You think it would, but when I go to a ball game, I fight for the front row. I pay for the front row, amen? I would love to be able to afford the front row, amen? And so usually I'm up there in the nosebleed section and the end zone or somewhere, amen? And I don't know why everybody fights for the front row, Uh, in ball games, and they uh, sometimes avoid this front row. Uh, Maybe it's just me and you, amen? Praise God. But anyway, it's a blessing to have you sitting anywhere and being anywhere. I appreciate all of you that's listening by way of Internet um, and worshiping with us and all of you being back with us. It's just everybody's coming back, amen? I like it. I think uh, uh, the future of our church is bright because we have a God that's blessing, amen? So I'm not discouraged. I'm encouraged by your presence this morning. Well, I want to start a new series on At the Cross. And I asked Brother Randy if he'd sing that uh, beautiful song, and we'll sing it again, maybe 129, At the Cross, At the Cross, Where I First Saw the Light. But I came to the cross after many Sunday school teachers taught me about the cross, and my mother lived the cross, and uh, thank God got saved when I was a sixth grader. And March 15th, 1963, I had to figure it up. I thought it was 64, but I had to figure all that up. And I remember the preacher preaching on hell that night, and I got gloriously saved um, by the grace of God. That's been a long time ago, 58 years been saved. And so I know I'd look that old and probably act that old. And after working in the yard several afternoons, I feel that old, amen, but I'm going to keep on working and keep on going for God until God calls me home. But I want you to turn to Mark chapter 15 and I want you to read this with me with appreciation if you've been to Calvary. If you've been to the cross, it made a difference. If you you met the Christ of the cross, the Lamb of God, you're no longer the same and you should not even want to live the same and we're here to worship Him and thank Him for saving us. Amen. Don't ever get over being saved. Uh, And the world... Needs to see Christians that are excited, and thrilled, and disciplined in their Christian life because they're saved. And so let's stay in all the Word of God. Um, we'll start with verse 15 because we've all received this kind of pardon, but a better pardon, eternal life pardon. And says so. Pilate, willing to contend the people, released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus when they had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. and That wasn't a band that played. It was a band that was about to do something cruel. And the soldiers led him away, and they clothed him with purple and platted a crown of thorns and put it upon his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! They smote him on the head with a reed, and they spit upon him, and bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, the Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, Father Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring into him the place called Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them that every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over, the king of the Jews. I like that all caps, don't you? And with him they crucified two thieves, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. That's found in Isaiah 53. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah! Thou that destroyeth the temple and buildeth in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. And Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. And let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that he may see and believe. And they were crucified with him, reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And folks, he, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Elah, Elah, mastenai," which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elijah. And one ran and filled the sponge full of vinegar and put it on the reed and gave him to drink, saying, let, let alone, let us whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. And when the centurion which stood over him saw that, so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on afar off. Among whom Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, the less, and Joseph and Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with them unto Jerusalem. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this passage of scripture that breaks our heart, but at the same time lifts our spirits. Because, Lord, your death, your burial, and your resurrection is enough to save whosoever will. And so, Lord, thank you, God, for what you did for our sin. Lord, thank you for taking our place. Thank you for taking our hell, our darkness, our suffering, our sin debt that we can never pay. Thank you, Lord, for taking our place. And so, Lord, thank you that we now can go free and go to heaven because you took our hell at Calvary. So, Lord, as we preach the next few weeks on the cross and the Christ of the cross, may we see what crowd we're really in. and We're going to praise you and thank you for speaking to our hearts and reminding us in our hearts, how wonderful it is to be saved. And if there be one that's not saved, I pray today they stop trusting religion and trusting themselves and trust the cross, the finished work of the cross. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice this morning the crowd around the cross. There's many people with many attitudes around the cross. Uh, Congregation this side, everybody's got some different attitudes. Some of you are really glad to be here. Some of you look like you're not too sure. (laughs) I'm glad to be anywhere, amen, at my age, amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. There was a crowd at that cross. And unfortunately, a lot of them weren't saved. Just a few women and one man that made it to the cross. That was his followers. But there was a religious crowd. And there was the Roman army fulfilling their commandment. Folks, there was a cruel crowd, but we see Jesus. Folks, he's already been through a mockery of a trial, religious and civil trial. He's already been scourged, and the Bible says in Isaiah 52 that he was beat beyond recognition. It's not the pretty picture you see on the living room wall. He was marred beyond recognition. He was beat to a pulp, and this uh, scourged and bleeding Savior was led away to the Patorium. The Bible says in this first verse that we're going to cover, and that was the uh, residence of the Roman magistrate. That was outside the city, outside of Rome. And as we look at the crowd around the cross. We see a crowd that typifies a lot of crowds today. Number one, I'd like you to notice the careless. Look at verse 17. It says, And they clothed him with purple and they platted a crown of thorns and put it upon his head and began to salute him. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with reed, with a reed or a stick and they spit upon him. They bowed their knees and worshiped him. I can see in verse 17, they're they they're mocking him. They said, oh, you're a king, then you need a robe. You need a crown. You need a scepter. And I see in verse 18, they began to mock him. In verse 18, the Bible says, uh, and they began to salute him. And they said, hail, king of the Jews. And they even bowed down and started worshiping our Lord, in mockery. I see a careless crowd. Folks, this was not the normal part of the crucifixion job. These men let sin heap upon sin. The sin of omission of not knowing what was going on and who that was on the cross added to some more sin. And folks, sin breeds sin. Sin never stops with little sin. We ought to be uh, sure that your sins will find you out, but sin should be exceedingly sinful. And I believe we live in a day, and I'll get to that in a minute, that a lot of people are just casual about sin. And folks, if you're careless about the cross, you're going to be careless about your conduct. If you're careless about the cross, you'll soon be casual in your Christianity, and you will be careless. Careless. You know, they missed the meaning of the whole cross. And they missed the one most important of all who was on the cross, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And folks, I want you to know this was not a religious uh, ceremony. It was God in flesh dying for your sins. And we should not get careless about our worship. And we should not get careless about our life. We ought to realize that God has called us to be bearers of the cross, to be disciples of His. God's called us to be different and separated, but God's called us unto Himself to be in love with Him and to pray to Him, our Father which art in heaven, as I preached on last week. It's such a privilege to know who God is. And I'll tell you what a privilege it is, is to know what Calvary was all about. But there was a group that was doing their job, crucifying because they'd been commanded, but then having sin heap upon sin and started mocking him and clothed him with purple after he'd been scourged The blood dried and that robe probably melted into his flesh. Crowned him with thorns that are four to six inches long and then had the audacity to take a reed that acted like a hammer and pound those those thorns into his skull and spit on him and blood mingled with spit was dripping down his face. They were very careless in the way they taught or how they treated our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I believe today some of those men, and probably most of them, are in hell today with the living regret for eternity that they treated the Son of God carelessly. And then second of all, I want you to notice this morning that there's the casual. In verse 20, it says, and when they had mocked him and took the purple from him and put his clothes in, and they led him to, to, to be crucified. They led him from that third mock trial, that third ridiculous trial, to a, um, a place called the skull. And they were going down the road and, and, and the tradition was that there would be four soldiers that would accompany a crucified malefactor or one to be crucified, a malefactor, a criminal, and the first soldier would carry a, a placard, a plaque with the accusation of, and also the, the verdict of guilty, where they'd raped somebody or killed somebody or, or whatever. And I don't know what they had on the, on that, on that placard, but there was a there was a man minding his own business. He'd come all the way up from North Africa, the Bible says, Serenia. And he was just pass—he was just passing through with probably thousands and thousands of people for the Passover, and here comes the parade. Here comes the procession, and here's the soldier with the plaque. Probably said something like this: He claimed to be God. He claimed to be the King. And folks, we see that uh, they're walking down the street, and he's carrying the cross. And Simon, a Jewish convert, came up from northern Africa, had once once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to visit Jerusalem, but he's about to meet Jesus. Look at verse 21. And they compelled one Simon, a Serenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, they became church leaders, by the way, I wonder why, and to bear his cross, to bear his cross, Friday morning, walking along casually, there was a parade, there was a procession, another crucifixion, more criminals. I don't know, behind them was the two other thieves carrying their cross, but folks, he was pressed into service. And in the Bible days, or in the Roman Empire, all they had to do is any citizen, any person they wanted to, they'd take a sword and tap them on the shoulder. And when they tapped them on the shoulder, you had to do what they said do and you had to serve, especially Jews. That's why Jesus said if they compel you to go one mile, go the second mile. And Jews would always mark one mile from their house that they had to serve that Roman empire. And then they'd drop the bag or drop whatever they were carrying and say, you carry it yourself. Jesus said they compel you to go one mile, go two. And I want to say this, friend, here's old Simon minding his own business, just a casual observer, four soldiers already around him, and he dropped his cross, but I don't think he ever took his hand off of it, the Lord Jesus. He'd lost most of his blood. He probably couldn't see because of the spittle in his eyes and the blood mingled down. It was a mockery of all mockeries. They were all cheering and ranting, crucify him, crucify him. And I believe Simon's attitude was, I don't want to get involved. I just want to deserve this religious ceremony. Folks, I want you to know he called Simon out of the crowd. Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, who became great church leaders because something happened to daddy that day something happened to the casual. I believe that as he was carrying that cross, there was eye contact with Jesus. And I believe he looked straight into the heart of God and got under Holy Ghost conviction that his life was not called to be casual, but his life was called to carry the cross. And that's what our life should be about. Folks, there's a lot of casual Christianity going on today. And we're in jeopardy and we're in in great danger of becoming more casual because of this pandemic. It's easier to stay at home. And I know like Miss Deborah yesterday, she said, thank God for Roku and thank God for you too, Brother Brother, uh, Joel, Brother Cody, Sister Caitlin. Y'all running that back there this morning. Brother Blaine. She said, I thank God for the last year and a half that I've had this internet access and that somebody bought me a little Roku thing and somebody helped me with the internet and I could see and worship with y'all every service. And so thank God for you that are watching that cannot be here. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. We're in danger of being casual. I believe it's important that we come to church looking our best. If it's a pair of overhauls, iron them. Brush your teeth because we all need that. Say amen. Praise God. Comb what hair you got left for some of us. Come to the house of God and say so I'm going to worship the Lord who carried my cross. And folks, when we our disciples the bible says well to deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow him that's a that's the cost of discipleship is to take up the cross and some people misinterpret that it's amazing how they misinterpret that and say oh my cross is my rheumatism in my right leg or my or my bad knee or my bad neck or my bad shoulder no that's not a cross It hurts, and it's hard to keep on going when you're uh, sick like that, but thank God, as soon as they get out of the hospital, there they are. Amen. But the cross is total identity with Christ. The cross is saying, I'll bear his shame. I will identify with Christ on the job. I'll not be ashamed of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, and I will identify with my Lord and I will pick up the cross and I will crucify myself and I'll crucify my fame and I'll take his name gladly and carry it to the world that needs Jesus. Amen. So many people are ashamed of the gospel. Folks, it ought to be our trophy. Folks, our Statue of Liberty is not that lady up there in Pearl Harbor, New York Harbor. (laughs) I've been to Pearl Harbor. That's something else too. But it's the cross. I pledge allegiance to the lamb this morning. And folks, I want to tell you something. If he did that for me, at least I can live for him. If he died for me and he took my hell for me, and he was crucified for my sin debt. At least I can do is being indebted enough to be faithful, to be disciplined on time change Sunday. Get up when I'm feeling so sleepy. And we all say we're gonna go to bed early on time change Saturday night, and none of us do. Some of y'all do. Y'all looking really bright and cheerful, praise God. I'm the one that needs prayer. But anyway, listen. Folks, listen, he was gazing. He was looking on. And all of a sudden, he's in touch with the Savior. He's touching the same cross that Jesus is touching. Jesus might have been weak, but I don't believe he ever took his hand off that cross. He might have felt like riding on that cross because he was so weak from all that bloodshed, all that scourging, all that beating. But praise God, it was his cross. And there was no one that could bear that cross except him because he's the perfect, sinless lamb of God. Say amen. Amen. And folks, there is no other substitute. There is no other savior. There is no other lamb that can uh, uh, be, the blood be shed for your sins. Only Jesus can save your soul. Thank God. Thank God for what a savior. What a wonderful savior. And so folks, we can be a careless crowd and we can definitely become a casual crowd. You know, this casual Christianity. Serve God when you feel like it. Serve God when it's convenient. But I want to tell you something, friend. When you look into the heart of Calvary and you look into the heart of God, folks, it's not just a little dab of do you. It's not just a little religion. It's not just Sunday only, but praise God, it's picking up that cross and following him and getting as close to God as you possibly can. God's called us out of being casual Christians and to being disciples. Everybody's a believer. They believe in something. It takes faith to be an atheist. You don't believe in anything. You believe in yourself. Folks, when you're a believer, you become a follower. You become his disciples. Folks, I want you to know that Simon was in for the day of his life. I can just imagine him going all the way to that hill. I can imagine him probably helping him put that, uh, lay that cross down. And I can imagine him listening to the pound of that hammer as they stretched out his hands. You'll feel the skeletal formation. You got a hole right there. You got a hole in, in the in the base of your hand. A skeletal formation. I believe it was designed by the Creator to hold him on the cross, or he'd have just ripped if he'd put it on the into the hands or, or even in the arm it just ripped the sinew would just ripped, and it'd fall but I believe they nailed those big spikes in his hand and I believe Simon heard the pounding and I believe he looked at Jesus up close and personal I mean front row and heard his reaction Father forgive them for they know not what they do. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And the answer was, I have to forsake you, so I'll never forsake you. Because he was forsaken, you're you're never going to be forsaken. He's with you the rest of your life when you're saved. And you'll be with him the rest of eternity in heaven because he was forsaken by the Father. God could not look on sin. And he said, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? I believe that he might have stepped back and saw his dear mama at the foot of the cross, and several of her friends or sisters or relatives, whoever they were, and one man, one brave disciple. Rest of them were following Jesus afar off. You couldn't find them with the FBI. It's like on Wednesday night, the crowd gets thin sometimes. <laughs> I was just praying I'd have more of my family show up when we first started this church on Wednesday night. And I want you to know he probably heard our compassionate Lord take care of his mama on the cross and say, John. Behold your mother. And Mom, behold your son. And what are you saying to old John, the beloved, who always was closest to him at every festival and every feast, and now is closest to him at the cross. He went all the way to the cross. Maybe that's why Jesus allowed him to have the revelation. The closer you get to God, the more revelation you have of who he is. And it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, amen not just all that suffering and pain that I preached on Wednesday night that we're going to miss because of the rapture. Can somebody say amen? I'm pre-trib rapture. We ain't going to, we ain't going to suffer one day of the tribulation. Amen. You master club leaders, y'all listen to the message on Wednesday night. It'll, it'll help you. But I want to tell you this, friend. Old Simon, he was casual. He was an observer. He was on the sidelines like a lot of people are. By the way, if you straddle the fence, you'll fall backwards every time. Amen. We need to be committed. We need to be totally committed to Christ. You'll get more out of the Christian life if you're totally committed. You'll go all the way to the cross, say amen. You'll go all the way to the empty tomb, say amen. I mean, if you'll get involved, and I'm not talking about in religion. Folks, I want to tell you something. If all I had was religion this morning, I'd still be in the bed. Time change wouldn't have woke me up. Woo-hoo. Praise God. I'd be snoozing it out. I'd be just going out to the paper, uh, getting a paper, and see how bad this world is. Praise God, I got—I don't have a religion. I got a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been to Calvary, praise God. And I'm gonna tell you something, whether I feel like it or not, I got up out of that bed this morning. I got ready. I put on my newest tie, praise the Lord. And I'm celebrating not the Sabbath on Saturday, praise God. I'm celebrating the resurrection this morning on the first day of the week when we worship. Say amen. Folks, religion won't move you. But I believe if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you are religiously faithful. Say amen. You're committed. But he heard those sweet words, mama, mother. Isn't it great that he emphasizes the family over and over and over and over? You'll never have a marriage without the cross. You'll never have, a, you'll never have children turn out worth a flip without the cross. You'll never, hey, listen, you'll never have victory in your own life unless you've been to the cross, unless you're crucified with him. Praise God. And that you've been to the resurrection. Praise God. And the resurrection spirit of the Holy Ghost is reigning and ruling in your life and folks carrying the cross because you can't do it in the flesh. And I thank God. Folks, this, maybe he was angry. Why do I have to? Uh, do this despicable thing like take a malefactor to the crucifixion hill. Why can't I just celebrate the Passover? Why can't I just stand on the sidelines? I'll tell you why he couldn't, because he went to the cross and the casual turned into the committed and that's exactly what we ought to do. Amen? Folks, there was a careless crowd. There was a casual crowd. I want to ask you a question this morning. Which crowd's you in? I got two more crowds, but I feel led to preach them tonight. And I am really taking a chance because Sunday night, time change Sunday night is notoriously poorly attended. But I'm going to preach it anyway. Because I ain't preaching for the crowd, I'm preaching for Christ. Amen? But I want to challenge you come take the Lord's Supper tonight. I want you to come tonight and I want you to remember the day that you got saved. I want you to remember the night, the day you got off the sideline and said, well, by the mercies of God, I think I'll just be a living sacrifice. I'll die to self. I'll die to my schedule. I'll die to what I want. I'll die what makes me feel good. And I'll live for what makes him feel good. What pleases God is faith. And what pleases God is total commitment, total surrender. And old Simon got off the sideline, touched the cross, looked into the eyes of Jesus. Probably spit was still mingled with blood where they plucked his hair, plucked his beard. Blood probably oozing out of his back as they ripped that robe off his back and put his old clothes back on to go to the cross. And he said, I think this man's real. and I think this man's right. And I think I need this Savior. And I believe he got saved. Why would his children become leaders in the church, early church? He didn't get saved. And parents, here's the lesson for you. Your children are looking not to your religion, but they're looking for a relationship that started at the cross. They're looking for you to be committed. And I mean the priority of your life is your Savior. And Brother Mark reminded me of this when he was talking about Brother Dan Reed who was so weak and feeble and and he'd fought heart attacks and 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 cancer and all kinds of things. And here he is with a little scooter and he comes right here and he sits right here and, and he preaches with power. One day I was playing church and a guy named F.M. Davis started preaching. He was dying of cancer. He was so pale and so feeble, the preacher almost had to help him to the pulpit. But when he got behind that pulpit, He said, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And so I stopped playing my little dating game on the back row, opened up my Bible, and he started preaching. And Color began to come on his face, and he's got a strong voice. And I'm not saying anything about the voice or the appearance of this man, but I saw the power of God in this preacher's life. And he pleaded with me. I thought I was the only person. You have been there? I thought I was the only person being preached to that morning or that night. And he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's dying to self. That's coming to the cross and dying to self and dying to your plans. And praise God, he said, present yourself a living servant, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But I left out a phrase, by the mercies of God. You know what that's saying? By the mercies of God, by Calvary is the reason you ought to be committed. Because of Calvary and his blood is the reason you ought to be a disciple. And because of Calvary, it should not be just a pause in the week. It should not be a religious ceremony. And it definitely shouldn't be tipping God and calling on him in crisis, as we all do. But he ought to be daily bread, and he ought to be the substance of your life. He ought to be the apple of your eye. Praise God, I'm telling you, friend, you ought to love Jesus with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Why? Because the cross should touch you. The Calvary should make a difference. And the blood that washed your sins away made you bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body and little s spirit, which means your disposition. People ought to know you love God They ought to know you're committed to God and they ought to know you're willing to sacrifice for God because Jesus should be your life. Father, bless the message. Use it for your glory. Thank you, dear God, for the crowds around the cross that show us sometimes our crowded hearts, shows us our casual attitude, shows us our lack of commitment, it shows us our distance from the living God, because we never, or we got over Calvary, or we never been to Calvary. God help us not be careless in realizing who Jesus is and what He did and what He's doing, and praise God what He's going to do when He comes again. And God, help us definitely not be casual. but God, committed, faithful, by your spirit, by your word, lead us to bear the cross this week and let everybody know that the main thing is the main thing. That we love Jesus and he saved our soul. With every head out, every eye closed, this morning the cross automatically divides this whole sanctuary into two crowds. The cross, the preaching of the cross divides humanity into two crowds. The lost and the saved. The lost or the saved. The religious and those who have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish but to us praise God it's glory but you'd say preacher I am convinced and thankful that I'm in the crowd that's saved that I'm going to heaven because I've accepted the finished sufficient final work of the cross of Calvary I've received the grace of God unmerited favor and I'm going to heaven this morning, because I'm saved. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that all over this place? Come on, <clears throat> Amen, Amen. Good. Now, don't don't raise if you're not sure. Amen. I mean, glad you say, Say Amen. Yes. Several cannot raise your hand. You might be religious. You might be a member of Whitfield Baptist Church. Just because you're a Baptist don't make you qualified for heaven. You must be born again. I pick on the seven day Adventists and I picked on the Catholics uh, Wednesday night but I want to tell you something folks I'll pick on the Baptists that are lost because Baptists won't save you you must be born again how many say preacher I'm not sure just not sure I don't see any fruit so I must not have any roots my life hasn't been changed the Bible says that you need to repent to be saved that means you have a change of heart change of mind and your life is changed You'd say, preacher, I'm just not sure, but I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? Anyone, the cross of Calvary should bring you under conviction whether you're saved or not. Anyone say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I sure would like to be, and I want you to pray for me in your closing prayer. We won't come to you. We won't embarrass you. We'll do the most we can do for you. We want to pray for you. Anyone? Anyone? Don't Don't let pride keep you back. Praise God. If you're not saved, you ought to admit it that you want to be saved. Anyone? Have said, preacher, I know someone that's not. And I definitely know some people that are very casual in their Christianity. I mean, they you know, if it feels good, they might be uh, committed. If it doesn't, it, they, they're not. Um, they might read their Bible and they might not. There's no discipline as a disciple in their life. You're a burden for them. You'd say, preacher, please help me to be pray that I'd be more committed that they could see the difference. And I want my loved ones. I want my loved ones to be saved that are lost. And I want my loved ones that are just straddling the fence to get totally committed. And I want you to pray for them with me. Would you slip your hand up on their behalf? All over this place. All over this place. Almost everybody knows somebody that's not right with God. What a, what, a, what, a, what a demand and what a responsibility in our life is to carry the cross and lift up Jesus. He'll draw all men to Him. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for speaking to my heart. And Lord, thank you for those that you spoke to about a burden to help others that are lost, they're careless about the meaning of the cross and careless about Christ of the cross. Those that are casual and not committed, God help them. And help us to be an exclamation point, not a question mark. God may we live what we profess. And may Lord our believing affect our behaving. And God may we crown you as Lord of our life daily. They might see your love and your will for their life. In Jesus' name we pray.